Ready? Absolutely. Here we go. You are listening to Learning Transforms from the Faculty of Education at the University of Victoria. We are coming to you from the traditional territories of Lekwungen people and recognize the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wissanich people's historical relationships with the land. Welcome to the show. So what are we talking about today, Ted? Hi, Emma. Today, we're talking with Suriani Zulkifli, who is a PhD student in the Department of Educational Psychology and Leadership Studies and doing her PhD in the Leadership Studies strand. And you, Siriani, have an affiliation with the UNESCO Chair in Community-Based Research and Social Responsibility in Higher Education. So we're really keen to hear about how that intersects with your research and about UNESCO, what it does for education, and where you fit in all of that picture. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so just to start, uh, I'm Suryani Zulkifli. I'm a doctoral student, uh, as that introduced me uh, in the Department of Educational Psychology and Leadership Studies. And I'm currently in the stage of um, writing my doctoral thesis. Uh, so I'll talk a bit about what I'm currently doing with my research and how that connects and how I get involved in the UNESCO chair in community-based research and um, social responsibility within higher education. Uh, so my research actually looks at how um, the three, in adult education, there's the three um, education, different education settings that we learn from, we believe. So one of them is formal education, which is what we're doing here at UVic, where we study and we, you know, get graded. And then at the end of the day, we'll get a degree or something out of it. And then there's also the non-formal education part of it, which is it's somewhat structured and somewhat in in intentional. So examples would be uh, workshops or the events that UVic, uh, you know, put on that students would go to, like lectures, seminars, those type of things. And then lastly is the informal uh, learning that we actually do on a daily basis, but we're just not aware of it. So it's unstructured, it's unintentional. We might not know that we are, you know, um, learning in that moment, then something happened later on. It occurred to us, I was like, oh yeah, I remember reading this, I remember seeing this. So uh, that's informal learning. So what I'm uh, investigating in my research is that how international students, because I'm an international student myself, so that's where I'm coming from, uh, from the study, uh, how I see international, international students learn in all these three settings, being in not just UVic, but also Victoria and Canada, and how they uh, come to social consciousness in you know social and gender justice issues whether uh, while in Canada or as well as the experiences back home. So in my research, I use um, what we call the arts-based methodology. So arts-based methodology is essentially using the arts to conduct research. And it's mostly used in um, qualitative research where we investigate humans' understanding, we investigate uh, humans' experiences, and we are more interested in uh, find in in find those type of find findings as opposed to numbers. Uh, so in my research per se, I use um, different arts based methods such as collage, where we cut and paste uh, pictures, words, uh, letters, 
to create something else based on the topic that I was exploring, as well as uh, photographs itself. Um, my supervisor had a collection of photographs where I used that to um, you know ask questions and spark discussions uh, among my research participants on the experiences. And lastly, I used what uh, we call photo voice. So it's uh, an altern- alternative narr- narration of your story and your experiences where you participate taking your own photos um, based on your experiences in my in the example of my research uh, based on you know what they have learned or what they have realized uh, regarding social and or gen- gender justice issues in Canada or, or you know whatever that they've uh, come to learn and witness so in that, the connection in my research with the UNESCO chair that I'm involved in is um, the part of my methodology where it's very art space and very participatory, which I'm sure we'll talk uh, li- uh, more later. Um, s- knowing Darlene, Darlene is my supervisor, but also uh, when you're doing your PhD, you're required to, to uh, create a com- committee people who you know hold you accountable or people who guide you in your research and Dr. Bud Hall is uh, one of my committee members and really at UVic uh, in the UNESCO chair that I'm involved in he is one of the co-chair so that's how I got myself involved in um, that initiative. Wow so what brought you first of all to UVic and to Canada and sparked your interest in your research. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, we'll go a few years back. Uh, I was actually I was actually living in Ottawa, where I was doing my undergraduate. Uh, you know, and then soon after that, I was working at the Canadian Bureau for International Education for about over a year. Uh, there, I was. That I think that was where I've always known that I'm interested in uh, international education. You know, in being an international student myself, um, it's an important it's an important domain for me. How I can always improve it. You know, the challenges I've gone through and whatnot. Uh, so having that opportunity of working with CBIE or Canadian Canadian uh, Bureau for International Education, uh, I think kind of just uh, reassures or reaffirms that that's what I wanted to do. So there was also that uh, every year annually the CBIE would host an annual conference where they would bring people from universities across Canada as well as worldwide to the conference. And I was, of course, involved in um, assisting, organizing with the conference. And that was where I met um, Dr. Bad Hall. And I just, you know, started talking. Um, I guess a bit of networking and then he was asking what I was interested in doing um, in my future you know would I be staying at CBIE for a long time or and you know but I told him that you know grad school has always been one of the things I had wanted to do so then um, he kind of recommended uh, he kind of recommended me to you know look into several programs he asked what my interests are and whatnot so I told him a little bit about um, you know, international education was a big one, and something that I'm doing at CBIE, you know, would be uh, one of my, I guess, interests. 
So then that's how he connected me to the Faculty of Education at UVic. And I think back then as well, uh, programs like leadership studies were still very new. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it was something, it was, it was a new field, if I remember correctly. Um, so then I looked at that their program, leadership studies, as well as, you know, in uh, different universities in Canada. And yeah, that's how I got connected with uh, Dr. Darlene Clover, which is my current uh, supervisor right now. And I only applied to UVic. Just one school, I feel like, you know, um, I think I'm a person who knows what I want. And it just kind of made sense when I had that first initial discussion with Darlene on what her interests are. And um, it just kind of aligned and everything just worked after that I guess yeah mm -hmm. so we have a small program but with a big global commitment with mm -hmm. the UNESCO chair mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about UNESCO and what that means for UVic and and beyond yeah absolutely so UNESCO is actually a abbreviation it means United Nations educational scientific and cultural organization UNESCO, what it is, it's a specialized agency of um, the United Nations, right? And it seeks to build uh, peace through international cooperation in education, the sciences, as well as uh, culture. And um, UNESCO's programs contribute to achieving the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, which are global goals that were that came out through the um, agenda of 2030 for sustainable 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 development adopted by the UN General Assembly in 2015 so this agenda basically is written uh, for you know guidance for institutions um, organizations policymakers on you know to be more committed on how we can be a more sustainable, sustainable, um, I guess, world in general. So for 15 years, um, institutions, organizations, policymakers are encouraged to work, you know, towards these 17 goals. Um, it's sort of like a plan of action, you know, for the people and the planet, and as well as you know, uh, peaceful, working towards peace, I guess, um, to strengthen the universal peace in the larger freedom. Part of the UNESCO's in initiatives, uh, so we we're coming down to being a little, little bit more specific on how the UNESCO chair uh, was, you know, was born. Um, the UNESCO, one of the UNESCO initiatives is the UNITWIN, or UNESCO Chair Program. UNITWIN is a short form for University Twinning and Networking. And this program was launched in 1992. And I believe currently that there are about over 800 UNESCO chairs around the world in over a couple of hundred uh, institutions. Um, so really the objective of uh, this UNESCO Chair is to promote in international inter-university cooperation as well as networking to enhance um, institutional capacity through knowledge sharing and also collaborative work. So through this UNESCO chair program as well, so higher education and research institutions all over the globe pool their own resources 
um, to address pressing challenges and to contribute to the development of you know our societies and they're also seen as the uh, think think tanks if you will as well as you know bridge builders between different institutions such as academia civil society local communities research and policymakers how does your doctoral research tie into this bigger UNESCO framework and picture? What is it that you're doing with students? Yeah, absolutely. So the UNESCO chair uh, in community-based research and social responsibility in higher education has this, um, one of the initiatives was creating this K4C Global Consortium. K4C is short for Knowledge for Change. Uh, so just a little bit, little background about this consortium is that um, the the Bud Hall as well as um, the other co-chair, which is uh, Rajesh Tandon from India, he works at the um, participatory research in Asia, uh, in New Delhi, India. Together, him and Bud co-founded uh, co the UNESCO chair in CBR and SR, just to short, shorten it. <laughs> it's a bit mouthful. <laughs> um, so together they have created this uh, consortium, K4C consortium. So they are the ones who train uh, mentors, we call them mentors, in the K4C consortium. So this K4C consortium, uh, from in the K4C consortium, uh, part of the I guess responsibility objectives of of it is to have more trained um, researchers, educators, uh, local practitioners. It's not it's not just limited to academia, because for uh, an institution to be able to form a hub, you have to be partnered with a social uh, sorry with a civil society organization. So it's 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 a the idea is to have this uh community and university partnership, um and to work together towards, you know towards uh doing research in community setting, that's where you know community based comes from. So you mentioned before that there are over eight hundred UNESCO chairs globally. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there are any more in Canada mm -hmm. and why Victoria and. And how how does this become established? Is it something that's voluntary based on an institution's interest or passion? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Mm, I can't I cannot speak too too much on that because uh, when I joined the chair, it's already been established. But from what I know from my own experience and knowledge, is that you you've got you have to put in an application, and of course that you'll ha you've got to have that partnerships already because really when that's uh, the UNESCO chair one of their objectives is to increase partnerships between different organizations and institu institutions uh, as opposed to you know working in silos so I believe that's how and in Victoria it's because it's uh, but initiative in creating it I know we have another one um, another one in Canada in UVic Oh, okay. Yeah, we have yeah. another one, in, another UNESCO chair in UVic, mm. I think, yeah. In the same area or a different area? Different area, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So tell us about your own research. You're working with international students and you're using arts-based methodologies. What, mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean and how does it play out for you as a, as a researcher? Yeah, absolutely. So um, um, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so part of my research is that, um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm interested to see how international students come to their own uh, their own conscious in social issues. And um, I find that by using arts-based research, because it's the international students all come from different backgrounds, um, that, you know, they, we don't have a common language that we speak, you know, uh, our first language anyways. So then using the arts, I find that it takes away that worry of, you know, oh, am I being grammatically correct? Uh, am I making sense? Um, you know, using the arts, it gives them an outlet, different expression of, um, ex you know, ex expressing what they mean or the experiences that they have or, um, yeah, it just brings people together. And it's also another way to get people think differently. Oftentimes, especially in post-secondary education, uh, we are very text-based, very heavy on readings and critical thinking, but not so much on the, um, you know, visuals or uh, more hands-on type things, which is what which is what I'm in. You know, I was interested in doing when I started my research. When you say uh, you're interested in how people, especially international students, come to a social consciousness. Um, and this might just be semantics. Maybe I'm getting overly hung up on the, the, the language. But mm -hmm. when you say come to, mm -hmm. it assumes there's a place they're going to arrive at mm -hmm. in terms of a consciousness. And they're, they're coming from all over the world. So they have different backgrounds, different cultures. What is that social consciousness that, that they're coming to? Yeah. And yeah, of course. So based on my uh, the literatures that I've read, a lot of these studies focus on international student experiences in terms of their sense of belonging, their, uh, you know, men uh, mental health. Recently, only recently, we talk a lot about mental health. Uh, talk about, you know, how are they fitting in? How are they making friends? But very seldom or almost to none that they talk about their awareness in social issues. So when I say uh, coming to consciousness, it's really them being aware of their surroundings, you know, things that they may have experienced back home, but not necessarily thought about it, th thought about it as being, you know, oppressive or unjust uh, because it's everyone does it like it's normal uh, or, you know, and then coming here with a different perspective, being in different environment. What have they learned? You know, uh, what it challenges them to to question, uh, really, on their awareness of what's going on in the world. That's I. That's what I mostly mean when I say that. It, so, what's going on in the world through a Western set of values or a Western lens, as opposed to somewhere else where they may have come from? Uh, I think it's it's. I think this is 
where international students are unique because they already have uh, a prior you know perspective and different back- background and then coming to Canada Canada where uh, it's a very western westernized country um, that it, it makes them question at least for myself for my own experiences it makes me question um, when people for example make fun of my accent right and uh, when implied racism happen it's very if you don't have that awareness it's kind of hard to pinpoint oh was I being spoken to you know in some type of way so for example sarcasm most international students don't get it um, we communicate differently um, so having this combined lens I think um, the hope is to you know make them reflect not not make them sorry to encourage them be more critical or be more reflective of themselves as well as uh, the surroundings and how they can um, how they can make you know inform actions to better those situations so one of the if yeah so one of the things that uh, we discussed and that came up in my research is that um, the the indigenous communities here and how they were um, when they came here and they learned about uh, residential schools in not through formal education it was through informal education and non-formal mostly uh, talking to peers uh, going to events um, reading the news you know was how they come to learn about it a lot more, and I guess it kind of piqued their interest. Um, and some of my participants identify themselves as indigenous, and they compare the situation between um, what's happened in their country and here, and they see the similarity. So those are the kind of consciousness that I'm talking about, that the issues are, are not isolated more often than not. Um, they are you know, connected and also you know encouraging we also you know discuss on how what kind of informed actions that they can take how do we define actions does it always have to come through uh big things like you know organizing a protest or could it be something simple like uh talking to your loved one about it or writing uh, an article about it you know um or the choices that they make uh, that they make daily could those be um, identified as actions as well as contributing to change. I'm wondering if if a piece of your research that's come up has been about um, safety and the the actual ability to speak up too. Because I'm I'm sure I'm assuming that some of the students that are coming from different countries weren't able to get involved in social justice issues because of safety. And in Canada, generally speaking we can speak up and protest and make our voices heard without facing too many consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That uh, definitely came up um, where, for example, um, one of them identify as a queer person and um, it really took her coming here to... I guess be able to talk about it even more openly but even then she was hesitant at first because she didn't want to be judged mm-hmm. she 
you know, she didn't want to make that as the center of her identity. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and coming here, I think also, not only that, uh, not only that they feel more safe to talk about these kind of issues, but it also some of some of them it's also the first time that they talk about for example racism uh in their country um they say that you know because in some countries there are monocultures that when they come here it was the first time that they actually face racism and what that's like and how did they navigate it um yeah what would be a uh, uh, typical maybe not the right word but what what would be an activity that you would use to surface all of these very mm -hmm. sometimes unthought of or unspoken mm -hmm. things that people bring with them. How do you use art and art activities to bring those mm -hmm. out into conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Uh, so I think that's that was why I was um, I was very I guess inclined to use arts. How I come about it was that I took a course here at UVic and um, we used not we used arts uh, methods. So in that class, particular class, we used photography and also puppetry. And we could use we could choose either or, you know, we could be in either group. So I chose photography because I've always been involved in even back in high school in taking photos for my high school this and that so naturally kind of just sparked interest again but never have had i thought about using the arts in a critical sense where you know you could um where it could be a tool to help someone to see things differently or speak things differently but this is this is why i feel like using arts f for my research is important because using the arts takes away uh that takes away that sense of um, the sense of that this this scary the scariness I guess the 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 seriousness of it it kind of takes that away where you know it's it helps you to express differently and I think it being hands on as opposed to let's say a one on one interview where you would you know think about it and like. Um, be nervous about it when you use the arts you feel at least the feedback that I've gotten is that you feel very free there's no you don't necessarily have a frame you know even with taking photos uh, and doing collages I had one of my participants I give them a piece of cardboard for the collage and then instead of uh, pasting pictures in the in the uh, cardboard on, on the cardboard some of them paste it outside of the cardboard you know kind of like to them saying that oh these issues are not bounded in just these four um, lines it's also outside it's happening outside so it that those are the kinds of thinking that you get with using the arts it's it helps you to just think more freely at the same time critically and creatively and it's also fun. I don't know why research can't be fun, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and it helps with the discussion and also the facilitation of um, topics like this, topics that are normally seen as uh, hard to talk about or sensitive. So it, it takes that scariness away. 
Yeah. I just want to thank you. For, I mean, obviously for coming and talking to us today, but thank you for the work that you're doing because it's making ripples, global ripples, and I think that's really important. Yeah, thank yeah, you so thanks. much for having me and inviting me here. This episode of Learning Transforms was produced by Julie Remy. Sound recording is by Bryce Manny. Sound editing is by Emily Mabobi. I'm Ted Rekin. And I'm Emma Edmonds. Thanks for listening to the show.